For a bit more analysis on the Chinese Foreign Minister's Pacific Tour, I'm joined by Tasisia Starakabutalaka, Associate Professor and Director of the Centre for Pacific Island Studies at the University of Hawaii at Manoa. Thank you, Tomas, for sitting with me for more Pacific Waves one talk. What are your first impressions of this region-wide tour by Wang Yi? I think it's an important uh, trip both for China and for Pacific Island countries. Uh, And this is what is often referred to as uh, uh, visit diplomacy. Uh, And China has, we've seen China use that a lot, both in terms of Chinese leaders coming to the Pacific Islands, as well as Pacific leaders going to Beijing and being given that big welcome that we do not see with other countries, in particular places like the U.S., I mean, the biggest visit that we've had from the U.S. in a long time was recently when the Secretary of State went to Fiji. But otherwise, we haven't had such visit from prominent U.S. uh, officials. Whereas in, in the case of China, we've seen a number of visits since 2006. And those visits include the President Xi Jinping coming to Fiji, and then later on to Papua New Guinea for the ACP countries. And so visit diplomacy is an important part of China's diplomatic relationship with other countries, not only the Pacific Islands, but we've seen it in Africa and other parts of the world as well. Now, going to what has been said so far, we, we've had bits and pieces here and there. I think a lot of the 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 media furor and a lot of the, the reporting has sort of been a bit sensationalist around the, the signing of these bilateral cooperation development agreements and trying to sort of tie that in with the the, the kind of security angle that was the case with Solomon Islands. Uh, what, what's your view on, on what has been said so far, what has been signed so far that we know? I, I think the biggest concern, particularly for Australia, New Zealand and the U.S., is the security aspect of China's discussion with Pacific Island countries and particularly Solomon Islands. And I think that's taken over a lot of the discussions prior to the foreign minister's visit to the Pacific Islands. Uh, and that kind of dictated the discourses or the things that people are talking about. However, if we pull that back and look at the other things that they're talking about, it's not surprising. Things like climate change, for instance, infrastructure development, economic development, uh, issues of uh, sovereignty and so forth that we've seen Beijing talked about in the past. Uh, And so that's not surprising given the kinds of discussions that have been taking place for a while. What is interesting, though, is, you know, China traditionally tends to engage bilaterally more than multilaterally. Uh, And now we are beginning to see China engage at the multilateral level. Uh, We we saw it happen in 2006 with the China Pacific Island Economic Development Corporation Forum. And they've held three of those meetings since 2006. And then we saw it with the foreign China Pacific Islands foreign ministers meeting during COVID to talk about responses to COVID. Uh, And more recently, we've seen the discussion uh, when the minister was in Suva. 
And so that's interesting, the move from, or not move from, but in addition to the bilateral relationships, China is engaging multilaterally with Pacific Island countries. And that is bound to have a lot of impact and also raise a lot of concern for Australia, New Zealand, and the US. And particularly Australia and New Zealand as being members of the Pacific Island Forum and the US as a post-forum dialogue partner along with China. But having said that, I'm not surprised that China's or Beijing's decided to do that. It's an efficient way of having relationship with countries that already have a strong multilateral relationship at the regional level. The other other thing I, I sort of just from, from reading um, the reports that are out there and, and some of the conversations that, that have been had, the framing is almost like it's this new thing that China is coming in and China reinvigorate or do in the region but but it's it's visiting its bilateral partners some of some of whom have been there for ages way beyond solomon islands and and the like is that the sense you're having as well is this sort of a renewed like resurgence of china or do you think it it is um sort of just coming through and re retightening those existing uh, um i guess relationships and policies and things that they they have been doing and are continuing to do in the region I think there are two things happening at the same time. The first is, uh, you know, a lot of that discourse is influenced by this idea of a zero-sum game, that Pacific Island countries should be aligned with the West or with China. Uh, And especially Western media see it as if, uh, whether they have relationship with China or they have relationship with the West. I think Pacific Island countries see it more nuanced relationship that they need both China as well as their Western traditional allies. And therefore they need to engage with both or all those countries. Uh, And so China is an important development partner. Australia, New Zealand, the US and so forth are also important development partners. Uh, And so looking at ways to engage with all of them to meet their development needs. Uh, And so that's from the Pacific Island point of view. Of course, a lot of the discussions coming out, particularly from Australia, I think, not so much from New Zealand, but particularly from Australia and the US, is that if you have a relationship with China, particularly one that includes security discussions, then that's a no-no. And so that's the first thing that we are seeing. The second thing is that I think we should understand that for a, a country like China, economically powerful, globally influential, and now entering into the Pacific Island countries in ways that they did not have, say, prior to the 2000s. That is bound to change the way in which we have relationships. It's changed global geopolitics, uh, and therefore it has to change regional geopolitics and relationships between not only Pacific Island countries, but between them and China, as well as their traditional partners. The issue for me is that how do we manage that? How are we aware of that huge force in the form of China? And how do we manage it in ways that will benefit us? And here I mean Pacific Island countries. What does China get from all of this? Uh, obviously, it's it's giving out a lot, uh, uh, a lot of benefits that are being touted, a lot of 
infrastructure. We're seeing a lot of money coming through to the Pacific. But what what does China get out of of moving into this this region, and why now? I guess. So it's it's that's that's where I think a lot of concern comes from the Western countries. China does. I mean, as as we all know, any aid or assistance provided to other countries. It not, it's, it's not merely a benevolent act that you do it because you're going to gain something from it. And I think this is, uh, in a way, China showing how it projects its power and particularly eastwards towards the Pacific. And those who are familiar with China's strategic concerns, this idea of the first island chain, which includes the uh, South China Sea, and then you have the second island chain, which includes Guam, and then the third island chain. And so the Pacific is important to China's projection of power outward. And if you know China's history, you will know that when China was invaded in the mid-1800s and ended up with the opium wars of the mid-1800s, the invasions of China came from the ocean side. And so you have the maritime provinces such as Guangdong and Fujian who were important in that part of China's history. And I think China is very conscious about that. Uh, we've seen over the last couple of years, the modernization of the Chinese Navy. Uh, and that's important to China's defense. I'm not saying that China intends to project itself militarily. I don't know if that is the case, but I'm saying that there is, a, I think, a consciousness in China about that. The second issue is what we've seen in China's rise. So China's economy has reached enormously since the late 1970s. Uh, now it's slowed down and there are various factors for that. But in order to keep the Chinese economy going, you need resources from other parts of the world. And we've seen China you know, involved in resource extraction in Central Asia, in Southeast Asia, in Africa, and increasingly in Latin America as well. Now, one also has to realize that China is not the only country doing that. Uh, in the 1500s, 16 and 1700s, the Europeans were doing that all over the world that the reason why Magellan came around the Pacific was in search of resources, and particularly the spice island, the, sp the sources of spice. And so the search for resources, for economic development at home, is not something unique to China. We've seen European countries do that. So Pacific Island is important for that purpose as well, uh, and in particular the Pacific Ocean. And you have a rising middle-class Chinese population with a taste for ocean, you know, food. Tuna in particular is important to the Chinese. Now, you will notice that in the discussion with the foreign leaders and, and with Fiji as well, uh, that there are mentions of sustainable marine exploitation. And one has to also take note of the fact that the largest tuna fishing fleet out there in the Pacific is Chinese. Uh, and so that's important to China's food sustainability, particularly 
for middle-class Chinese. The third issue is that China has always talked about the Xi ways that cross from China to America. And those are important. So there are three sea ways. There is the Northern Sea Way, up Guam and across to the Americas. There is the Middle Sea Way and there is the Southern Sea Way. Uh, and those are important to China in the long term in, in terms of ensuring that they are open and accessible. So re good relationship with the countries that occupy those seaways is important to Beijing. Uh, and so, you know, the, the, what China is doing is not only because it wants to build friendship, but also because it is important to China domestically as well. 